1: It's important to establish that culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep
0: building upon that. Throws to the end zone, it is for the Miami
1: touchdown, it's Parker.
0: All day long with Devontae Parker. Picked
1: off, going to the end zone, is Eric Rowe for the touchdown. Play fake, throws it, there he is!
0: Welcome in Finns fans. Hope everybody had a good weekend, but we're back another week and it's time to talk some Miami Dolphins football here on Finnit to Win It. He's Mason. I'm Riley. You can follow the show, interact with the show on social media. We are at Finnit to Win It. Holy crap, it's been busy around here, Mason. We posted a bunch of content last week. If you guys that are listening haven't checked it out, make sure you go back after you listen to this show Last week, we talked about Miami Dolphins with the most to prove in 2020. We interviewed Dolphins rookie tight end Bryce Sturk. He has a fascinating story, so make sure you go back and listen to that as well. We broke down the offensive line group, and we talked about Tua. When should he start this season for the Miami Dolphins? So we had a lot of great content last week, but we have even more great content on the way for you this week.
1: Riley, this train is not stopping here at Finnet to win it. Even though this is kind of the downtime for the NFL, it is not the downtime for us. It doesn't so, feel
0: like it, does it?
1: <laughs> no, it really doesn't. It seems like every day more and more stuff's coming out, but we're we're gonna keep pumping out episodes for you guys to listen to. We've loved the social interaction we've seen on Twitter and Facebook, and we're just gonna keep on keeping on. So this week, as Riley mentioned, we got a lot of cool things coming up. We're obviously doing The episode right now for today on if the Dolphins have a shot at going from worst to first in the AFC East this season. So we'll get into that in a minute or two, but later on this week, we're also going to be discussing a depth chart dive. We're going to now move over to the defense because we finished up the offense. We finished up on the offensive line. Now we're going to start with the defense. We're going to start with the guys playing deep ball for the Dolphins. That's right. We're going to start with the secondary and then later this week, this is something pretty cool we're going to do. We're going to be definitely posting about this on social media, but this Friday is going to be our very first Fins Up Friday, Riley. I know this is something that we talked about. We're really excited to do this, but Fins Up Friday, it is a fan-driven show where the fans really get to decide what we're going to talk about on our Fin It to Win It podcast.
0: They get to steer the show. So starting Tuesday, we're going to be posting over the next few days Posts that you can interact with, engage with, and tell us what questions do you have? What topics do you want to hear us cover on our Fins Up Friday? And we're going to do some other cool stuff too. This Friday, we're going to start with interviewing big time Dolphins fans, influencers in the Dolphins community. So we're really excited to get that kicked off as well. It's going to kind of be our laboratory, Mason, right? of fan engagement. We're going to take some questions. We're going to do some cool stuff. Every episode hopefully will be a little bit different, but that's going to be a way for fans to really steer the show and get involved with Fin to Win It.
1: Yeah. And remember, we do have the Jersey giveaway. We There's going to be next week. It's going to be ending. I believe it's June 24th, 25th, Riley. What day is that on? We're going to announce it on the 25th, on our show on the 25th. Sweet. And there's been awesome participation in that. It's going to be really interesting to see who wins it when we randomly pick somebody out because there's been well over 400 retweets for one of the posts over 300 for another one so a lucky fan is going to win that to a jersey and we're going to keep those awesome contests going at finna to win it so as soon as this one ends we're going to shortly then being announcing what the next one's going to be so that's how things are going to go around here in finna to win it rewarding the listeners we really appreciate all the interaction from everybody and we've really loved interacting with everyone too
0: It's crazy. We've only been doing the show for a little under two months and the engagement and the interaction has just been really kind of, it's been unbelievable, man. Like I was not expecting us to pick up steam this quickly, but we are very grateful for your support, for listening to us, for interacting with us. So thank you so much to everybody out there. We love the Dolphins community. It's been a blast so far getting the show launched. So let's go ahead and get into tonight's topic. Mason, we're talking about the Miami Dolphins' Going into 2020, can they go from worst to first? I've been seeing a bunch of articles recently over the last few weeks. Pro Football Focus is one of them. They put out an article a few weeks ago saying, out of all of the teams that came in last place in 2019, the Miami Dolphins are their pick for most likely to go from worst to first. Let me just read off these teams that in 2019 finished in last, and I want to get your reaction on where you kind of think the Dolphins fit into this. 2019 we had the Cardinals, the Lions, the Redskins, the Panthers, the Bengals, the Chargers, the Jags, and the Dolphins. So, out of that list, do you see the Dolphins as the top contender to go from worst to first?
1: They're definitely a trendy pick, Riley. Uh, the way that Miami finished the season last year, I know we've talked about it a lot on our show, and we're going to continue to talk about it in the offseason, but it was kind of like a tale of two seasons for Miami. The way we started off this season in September— that was kind of like its own season because after that, like the last nine games, Miami went five and four. And I believe all of the games, except two, the last 11 Miami actually led in the second half. So there was a ton of games. The dolphins were in the dolphins were looking like they were going to win it. It doesn't whatever side of the coin you, you were on as far as tanking for Tua and should the dolphins win games later in the season or whatever, it was just a breath of fresh air to see how they turn their season around. I think a lot of these publications are looking at that. They're seeing the way Miami finished the year. I know we're going to get into the specific reasons how they could go from worst to first, so I really won't get into that now, but I definitely think it is a trendy pick, and I see why they're picking Miami. Out of the teams you mentioned, let's see. I'd say besides the Dolphins, I don't know, for some reason, and they play in a very tough division but the Cardinals kind of jump out to me. I'm not saying they're going to finish in first, but just the fact that Kyler Murray has a year under his belt, he showed some flashes last year, they're getting a pretty big-time target for him to throw to in Hopkins. Not sure if we'll see the same DeAndre Hopkins that we saw in Houston, but they've been doing things in the offseason to show that they can go from worst to maybe not first, but moving up in the NFC West. That's a team that kind of popped out to me besides Miami.
0: Yeah, I think that the Dolphins out of this list have the most momentum going into the year. I think the Cardinals are up there. Maybe you can make a case for the Lions. But yeah, when, when you also take into account, like you mentioned, the Cardinals division is stacked. I mean, you got the forty nine ers Seahawks and Rams. We're actually playing all of those teams this year. So Can't wait. Pretty tough. But uh yeah, it's gonna be tough for them to make that jump from worst to first, but We're going to go through all of the AFC East teams and kind of their situations, what they've done during the offseason, and kind of where we think the Dolphins stack up when they go against their opponents in the AFC East. But if you kind of look at it from a a 10,000-foot view, I think the Dolphins, with the momentum they made in their acquisitions through free agency, trades, and the draft— And taking into account some of the things that happened to other teams in the AFC East, I think they've put themselves in position to have the momentum. And that's why a lot of people are kind of jumping on that bandwagon of saying, hey, if it happens, we can see the Dolphins doing it. So I want to take a look here and just kind of go over some of the Dolphins, you know, past uh, seasons where they finished in last place in the AFC East and kind of where they went the next season. So the Dolphins have finished fourth in the AFC East, Mason. Seven times this year or this past year is their
1: seventh time.
0: The Which is really six-
1: impressive, by the way. I mean, we, yeah. we do need to kind really of is. Just acknowledge that how the Dolphins have been around for so many decades and they've only done it a handful of times. That that's really impressive. And the Dolphins have had some, let's be honest, really crappy and mediocre seasons in the last decade or so. And they've still only finished last seven times in their whole entire franchise. That that's impressive. It's kind of
0: hard when you read that off to think, man, you know, this past decade has been so rough that in our entire history, it's only happened seven times, but it has. So in the past six times before 2019, they've made the playoffs three out of those six seasons in 1970, 2016. And then obviously we all remember the 2008 division title coming off that one in 15 years. So the Dolphins have shown in the past. Now, to me, I don't really take these, you know, history stats into account really, I don't, I take them with a grain of salt, but still they're interesting. Like when you look at the Dolphins coming off of these seasons where they really struggle, most of the time they bounce back. Even those three years that they didn't make the playoffs, they still finished nine and seven and eight and eight in two of those years. So they still, you know, made big leaps um, to go into the right direction.
1: Yeah. Mo- most of those seasons were due to coaching changes too. You know, we saw the passing of the guard, uh, new coaches, new staffs. They bring in new offensive philosophies. They maybe bring in a player who's going to make a difference. We all know how Chad Pennington affected that Miami squad with leadership and not turning the ball over when they won the division back in 2008. But, yeah, I mean, it is interesting to look back in history to see what kind of had to transpire, what had to occur – for there to be such a turnaround and it starts with coaching. Now, obviously Miami still has their coach, Brian Flores, and we're all happy for that. There, there's no reason he needs to leave. Cause like I mentioned, last season was essentially like a tale of two seasons. I, I kind of chalk it up to two completely different years. It started Basically, off yeah. where, yeah, it started off where we were just, pretty much being accused for tanking. The, we were a laughing stock. The spreads for these games were insanely high. It was it was laughable.
0: That conversation and, could Alabama beat the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, yeah,
1: up, the, those it. stupid conversations could a college team beat the Dolphins. Every year those come up for the worst NFL team it seems like. But yeah, I mean, the way the Dolphins turned it around and the way they really really focused on this offseason to hit those spots where they struggled last year. That's going to be a really big thing to see if Miami can take that leap. I personally think they put themselves in a situation where they can definitely climb the ladder in the AFC East overall, though. And for me, Riley, personally, it starts off at the line. Can the Dolphins win the battles on the offensive and the defensive line to succeed? We've already previewed the offensive line. We're going to get to the defensive line in a few weeks. But I got to imagine you agree with me, Riley, when it comes to how the Dolphins have really taken a priority this offseason to address that concern. Well,
0: they addressed a lot of different places on on offense and defense through free agency, through the draft. I want to get into those in a minute, Mason. But first, a quick read from our sponsor at Online. Guys, there's no shortage of action going on. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Mason, why don't you tell the people more?
1: So, Riley, we know sports, they're slowly but surely making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they still have those simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. So looking for something else other than sports? Bet online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So visit betonline.ag and use the promo code Blue Wire. That's the promo code Blue Wire for a free welcome bonus. That's one word: Blue Wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts.
0: So let's talk about some of these new faces, shall we? You mentioned the offensive line. So they bring in Eric Flowers. They bring in Ted Karras through free agency. Everybody we've talked about extensively in our offensive line breakdown, these guys, and then also through the draft, they got three offensive linemen in the draft, two of them in the first two rounds, tackle Austin Jackson out of USC, and then Robert Hunt, the mauler out of Louisiana Lafayette. By the way, real quick, on our Twitter page, at FinItToWinIt, I shared a video um, this past week. If you haven't seen it already, make sure you go to our page at FinIt to Win It. Scroll down a little bit and watch this video. It is one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen. Robert Hunt, just his background coming up, didn't have much. Um, he always had the talent, but didn't have the uh, the resources to you know go to these fancy camps and whatnot. And he really just through hard work, grit, and determination made it to where he is today. Like. Honestly, if you look at our draft class in general, there are so many guys that yeah. you just want to root for. It, Austin it's, Jackson it's saving theme. his sister's life. Robert Hunt coming up from his, from his rough upbringing. Like Noah Ingbenagany, his parents were like track star- Like there's so many cool stories with our draft class. So I thought it was interesting. But anyways, then they also bring in um, Solomon Kinley out of Georgia, the guard. So a lot of improvements made in terms of talent. But the question always is with so many new faces, how are they going to mesh together? Like the offensive line, there's so much that goes into it in terms of communication, right? How are these guys going to work together, especially in an off season where you have this COVID-19 situation and like these guys are you know, trying to learn all this new stuff remotely and trying to work together and get to know each other, but you're not in person. So that right there is a huge
1: question mark. Yeah, time will definitely tell with that, Riley. But when you give up almost 60 sacks, Something's got to change. Something has to change. And the Dolphins made a concentrated effort to bring in two guys who I would, you know, aren't veterans, but they've been around long enough to the Dolphins know what they're going to get. Flowers moving to guard last season really, really worked for Washington. And then you have Ted Karras, a guy who had to fill in for an injury for the Patriots. He did a great job in the starting role for center. So those are two pieces the Dolphins can at least going into camp can trust. And then, like you mentioned, they bring in three offensive linemen. They bring in these guys where we could possibly see two of them starting on opening day for the dolphins when they take on the Patriots. So that's going to be really interesting to see those camp battles. But with all that being said, you have to hope that the dolphins are going to make strides and there is going to be a chemistry built over time with them. And they can lower down that sack total that we saw. And in turn, it can improve other things in the offense. Like the game. running game? Exactly, <laughs> like the running game. Because when you average the amount of yards the Dolphins did, when you when your leading rusher is your quarterback, and a 37-year-old quarterback, by the way, in Fitzpatrick, that is going to change the dynamic a lot because the Dolphins brought in Matt Breida, Jordan Howard. They're going to be the two-headed monster in the backfield. If the offensive line can give a good push and improve, they're going to see a lot of improvement not only in the running game, but Fitzpatrick or Tua, you know, whoever's the starter is, we'll, we'll wait and see for that. But whoever the starter is, they're not going to be running around for their lives. They're going to have more time in the pocket. They're not going to be under that much pressure. And overall, it's really going to help things. That's why I said the improvement has to start with the lines on both sides of the ball if we're going to see this team really have a solid shot from going from worst to first.
0: And you saw that. I mean, you've seen it in every move. The Miami Dolphins have made just that mentality that Brian Flores is trying to create with this team physicality I mean this offensive line is big they really got some beefy guys huge guys guys that have a nasty in-your-face attitude that they're just going to run you over they're going to truck stick you all game long and it's the same on the defensive side of the ball our defensive pass rush was last in the league last year. So, what do they do? They go out and they improve that, getting Shaq Lawson from the Bills, who had a career high in sacks last year with six and a half. Emmanuel Ogba comes over from the Kansas City Chiefs, and then they take a couple of Patriots away. Cal Van Noy, who I believe is bad second, thing, Riley, who was second on the team in tackles and sacks last year for the Patriots. And then, a Landon Roberts, who was a run stopping, very effective uh, linebacker for the Patriots these last couple of years. So a lot of pieces that they brought in in the front seven and on the offensive line. So you could see them building in the trenches and just building up that mentality of physicality. You are not going to push the Miami dolphins around anymore.
1: No, you're not, and when we talk about the secondary in our next show, we're going to probably mention this, but the better the pass rush is and the better that front seven is, the better your secondary is going to be because they're going to be ball hawks back there. When QBs are under pressure, when they're running around, their throws are going to be much more errant. They're going to be be much more off, inaccurate passes, and that's when our DBs are going to shine, and the Dolphins really set them up by getting Jones from the Cowboys, by drafting a DB early in the draft, and also we have Xavier Howard, who we're going to talk about a lot. I know in our secondary show, if he's healthy, we know what he can do and how physical he can be. It's it's an exciting time to see these improvements and to see this depth that the Dolphins have added on defense and offense. It really is going to help them push other teams around instead of what we saw last year when the Dolphins were the ones getting pushed around for the most part.
0: And I think this is a good transition. So let's start, let's go through each of these AFC East teams and just kind of where we see the Dolphins, where these teams have made improvements or you know, departures in that case. Um, But let's go ahead and see where the Dolphins stack up. So you mentioned the physicality aspect of it. In previous years, Dolphins were getting pushed around at the line. The Buffalo Bills were the ones doing a lot of the pushing going on these past couple of years. They've had the Dolphins number for a while now. And for some reason, Mason, Josh Allen puts on a clinic versus the Miami Dolphins. In his first four games versus Miami, over 60% completion percentage 10 pass touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns. And he's killed us on the ground. Do you remember his, I think it was his first game back in 2018. He ran for 135 yards against the Dolphins. Now they still won that game, but it was barely, like he just barely under, I don't know if you remember this. He just barely under Charles Clay in the end zone with under a minute left. They would have won that game, but it was just, I had never been so frustrated watching a football game in my life. Like I knew Josh Allen could run, but, oh, my God, I did not know that he could run like that. And he just continued that. I mean, he's, every game versus the Dolphins, he's averaged over eight yards a carry. They just have no answer for him.
1: He, he's a physical specimen. He really is. And last season, we saw the Bills win 10 games. We saw them almost beat the Texans in the playoff playoffs, too. Honestly, a game they probably should have won as well. Uh, you know, the emergence of, of Allen as their quarterback, that's going to be something that we have to monitor as dolphin fans. He's going to be one of these quarterbacks. I'm not saying he's going to be a Tom Brady and they're going to win 11 division titles in a row, but I'm definitely saying as of now, he is in my opinion, the best quarterback in the AFC East. Um, the fact that he can do it on the ground, he's got a rocket firm arm. If he can continue his progress with his accuracy, We're going to see the Bills be an issue in offense. They have a solid run game, and they just added a really good weapon at wide receiver, Riley, that's Stefan Diggs. He's going to really be someone who Josh Allen can look to deep down the field. He's a deep threat, and their defense is stacked too. So the Bills, in my opinion right now, are the Dolphins' biggest threat for the AFC East. As of now, there's a lot of things that can happen. We have training camp, preseason, anything can happen. But as of now on paper, the Bills are a team you look at and they're, they're pretty solid and they're on the up. Yeah, I really like what the Bills
0: did in the draft as well. Um, they took defensive end A.J. Epineza out of Iowa. Back in the Holiday Bowl last year, he went up against our new left tackle, Austin Jackson, and he had a field day, Mason. Four tackles, two and a half sacks, and a forced fumble. In that game. So that is a little concerning. They bolstered their backfield, bringing in Zach Moss out of Utah. He's going to be really effective between the tackles with Devin Singletary, who had a breakout year last year. He had over five yards of carry last year. The big question, though, is and you kind of alluded to it, does Josh Allen continue his upward progression or does he have a Mitch Trubisky type of plateau? Does he come back to earth a little bit? I mean, I I read off those numbers versus the Dolphins, but. He by no means has those number those kind of numbers versus other teams in the NFL. For some reason, it's something that the Dolphins are just not able to figure him out, and it is concerning that they you know upgrade their running back core, they upgrade their wide receiver core with Stephon Diggs to go along with John Brown and Cole Beasley. So I think if you look at the wide receiver groups in the AFC East, that probably elevates them to a top two at least uh, as a group. They added some depth to their cornerbacks. They brought in Josh Norman, EJ Gaines, to go on with Tredavious White. Now, I watched a lot of Redskins games last year, Mason, and I think Josh Norman, he's one of those names, you know, he's a big name. Poor you,
1: Riley, by the way. Poor me,
0: yeah. Josh Norman was a shell of himself, Mason. He is nowhere near the Josh Norman that we saw with the Carolina Panthers. So, like, I'm not really that, you know, scared of their secondary, but they got guys like Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, at Oliver. Like they have some guys, they have some men up front. Uh, last year, they were the second overall defense in total points allowed. So their defense is still going to be stacked. They're still going to be physical, but I think the dolphins with the moves that we talked about earlier in the trenches specifically are going to help them kind of even the odds against the bills.
1: Yeah. And Riley, you asked the question, can Josh Allen continue his progress? You know, you mentioned Mitch Trubisky in Chicago, you keep giving Allen targets and you keep giving him talent around him, then yes, the answer is yes. He's going to have to continue. He will most likely get better. I don't think his game is going to regress that much. Like, you know, in Chicago, Trubisky, I don't think they're giving him enough weapons right now. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback either, quite honestly. But right now in Josh Allen, he's showing us, at least he did last season, that he does belong in the NFL. He can do it with his legs. He can do it with his arm. And you add someone as talented as Stefan Diggs, if Stephon Diggs can be healthy, if he can be the Stefan Diggs we've seen in Minnesota, he's really going to elevate his game, and he's going to make sure that defenses cannot put too many guys in the box. You have to have that safety out there for Stefan Diggs when he's on the field, deep over the middle or just – all the way down there. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, Josh Allen and the bills, they're, they're going to be a handful for the dolphins. And quite frankly, they're, you know, a couple years ahead of the dolphins in the rebuild
0: process. So I think going into the year, they're the odds on favorite to win the AFC East, but that does not mean, you know, by any means they cannot be beaten. Um, so I think the dolphins with the improvements that they've made in the trenches match up a lot better than they have in the past. Um, I'd still give the slight edge to the bills in some other categories Um, But the competition level has leveled off significantly when you look at the Dolphins and the Bills. A team, it's funny because, you know, they brought in some weapons to go along with Josh Allen to help elevate his game. I feel like the Jets have not done that at all with Sam Darnold. I know they drafted Denzel Mims out of Baylor. He's a really good player. I like Makai Becton out of Louisville. Uh, The huge, massive offensive tackle. But their offensive line was kind of a mess last year. And when you look at Denzel Mims in the wide receiver room he's going into, wow. Talk about mediocrity, especially f- former first round picks, mediocrity. You have Josh Dotson there, Brashad Perryman. I mean, do those guys scare you, Mason? Because they don't scare me. I mean, Jamison Crowder is a decent player, but you know, during his time with Washington, he was never on the field. He was always in and out of the lineup. So he's not really a reliable receiver that you can count in week in, week out. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on these young guys, Denzel Mims specifically, to really carry the load in terms of the passing game and help Sam Darnold out because he really doesn't have a lot of weapons out beyond the hashes.
1: No, he doesn't. I mean, I see him referring to Le'Veon Bell a lot like he did last year when he was healthy, uh, when Darnold was in there healthy. You know, and Adam Gase is going to be under a lot of pressure this year. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see what route the Jets go We know we're going to talk a little bit about the schedule in a few minutes, but we know the Dolphins play them in back-to-back weeks. That's going to be a pretty big pivotal moment for Miami as far as division games go. I'd say the two times will be the beginning of the season when they go back-to-back division games with the Patriots and the Bills, and then when they play the Jets in back-to-back weeks because if New York is having a lousy season, if they're not having a great year, and the Dolphins are doing all right and they meet them back-to-back, that could be too Wins right there that Miami can count towards their season total. Yeah, and you mentioned
0: Le'Veon Bell last year. It was a rough. I mean, I talked about how bad the offensive line was for the Jets. He had career lows in yards. He tied his career low in touchdowns. Career low in yards per carry. So it was not a great year for Le'Veon Bell. And part of it was probably because he sat out that entire year before. But a lot of it had to do with the lack of talent around him and. Yes, they've addressed the offensive line, but I'm not sure that they've addressed the skill positions enough to really make them
1: make them a real threat for the AFC East. Well, Le'Veon was confident. I don't know if you remember, but last year before the season, he was telling everybody, "Draft me first in fantasy. Draft me first. You're going to see an amazing season." And you know, listen, I, I don't blame him for saying that. You got to be confident to be a good player. But uh, yeah, I mean, he he pretty much performed. He had one of his worst seasons since he's been in the league and you know a lot has to do with you being in that situation he doesn't have Roethlisberger he doesn't have the receivers he had in Pittsburgh he's in a new entirely different situation
0: CJ Mosley he came over from Baltimore was hurt most of last year I think he played in two games last year before before injuring uh, his groin and having surgery he was out for the year so he's trying to come back Um, Jamal Adams, we haven't even mentioned Jamal Adams in that situation. What a mess that is. Like, (laughs) is he even going to be a jet by the beginning of the year? They need him very badly on that team. Because if you take Jamal Adams out of the picture, their top two tacklers were former Miami Dolphins and James Burgess and Neville Hewitt. It was a rough going, but still the defense, they don't have a lot of studs on the defense, but they have a lot of solid players. Um, so their defense was definitely respectable last year. They had the second best rush defense in terms of yards per game last season but yeah with that jamal adams situation that's a mess is cj mosley going to finally get on the field and produce that's a question mark so honestly i'm not that worried about the jets i know that they finished 2019 strong winning six out of their last eight games but mason if you kind of dig a little bit deeper there those wins were against the giants the redskins the raiders they lost to the Bengals. They beat Miami, even though they shouldn't have won that game. And they ended the season strong beating the Steelers and Bills. But still, that competition where they won those six games, a lot of those teams were not teams that were, you know, formidable opponents.
1: Does that bogus pass interference call, Riley, still... I don't even want to talk about it. Okay, all right. It all makes right. me so all right. angry. <laughs> hey, listen, it, it, it all ended up fine. Miami drafted Tua. Everything worked out. It it, it pissed me off too. I mean, you you and I both know there's nothing much more on earth we hate more than the Jets. So to lose to the Jets that way, it it, it does hurt. But on the bright side, you broke it down very nicely how they're looking. I, I think it's safe to say this is the team that the Dolphins fans have to feel the most confident about that we can leapfrog in the standings.
0: That is that's funny you mentioned that Mason because like it's just so crazy how like one play could have altered how things went. Yep. You know, could, would we have gotten to a if that pass interference call was not called and the Dolphins have squeaked out that game?
1: I don't know. We would have been, we would have been behind the San Diego, I believe. And I mean, the San Diego's GM did come out after the draft and he said, we honestly did not know. And, th- and this could have been a lie, but he said, you know, we honestly did not know who we were going to take to Herbert. Still,
0: you still can't get over the San Diego thing. It's been what, two years now. And we just can't get LA of our minds. no, <laughs> All right, so let's go. You caught
1: me on that one. <laughs> let's and I, and on. I don't think and I don't think I'm gonna say Las Vegas Raiders for a while. That that's that's gonna take uh some getting yeah, used that's to. That's gonna
0: that's gonna be hard. But anyways, let's go to the Patriots. All right. This team is the ultimate wild card. Yes, they've won the AFC East the last 11 years in a row. But last season, and this is with Tom Brady, they lost four out of their last six games. They were not the same Patriots And now that Tom Brady's gone, we do not have that situation, Mason, of, yeah, Matt Castle comes and plays well, but, you know, Tom Brady's coming back eventually. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, he plays well. Yeah, Tom Brady's coming back eventually. Those days are gone. Tom Brady's gone. He is not coming back. It's the Jared Stidham show, the uber-talented Jared Stidham, according to Chris Sims. To me, Mason, that's where you got to start when you talk about this team. Yes, overall, the team is still in terms of talent right up there. But the quarterback
1: situation is a question mark at best, isn't it? it? It it really is. And besides the quarterback situation, though, Riley, if I was the Patriots, I would be maybe more concerned about their defensive situation. Uh, some of the big talent they lost this year, this offseason, it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts them. We know the Dolphins signed Van Noy in the offseason, but the Patriots also lost their linebacker, Jamie Collins, and they lost their defensive tackle, Danny Shelton. So, yes, Tom losing Tom Brady, I mean, we got to get down on our hands and knees and thank God, or what whoever you believe in for that matter, that Tom Brady is gone from the AFC East. That is a huge, huge plus for the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills. But knowing it's the Patriots, knowing it's Bill Belichick as their head coach, arguably the greatest coach in NFL history – it's, it's very difficult to write this team off, and I agree with you. That's why you have to say this team is a wild card because they're still the Patriots. They still have a lot of talent on that roster, and it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how their QB p- play performs on the field. When you look at the skill position players, and we saw this over the last few years, it's
0: just kind of depleted. I mean, they've lost guys left and right year after year, and now we're almost to bare bones here. I mean, Julian Edelman's a good player, but he's 34 years old. Nikhil Harry, their first round pick from last year out of Arizona State, barely played last year. He spent most of the season on IR. He ended the year with only 12 catches for 105 yards and two touchdowns in his last seven games. So that duo of wide receivers does not scare me at all. And they don't really have much depth behind them. Just a lot of question marks. I mean, Mohamed Sanu, Marquise Lee, do any of these guys put fear? Do they strike fear in you, Mason? They don't for me.
1: No, they they don't, Riley. And you know, at the end of last season, when the Patriots did go on their downward spiral, including when they lost to the Dolphins in week 17, which sent them to essentially not getting a bye, to losing in the playoffs to Tannehill and to ending the Brady era, which is pretty crazy to think the way it ended. But the way they were playing the last few weeks, the writing was kind of on the wall. This team was was not really built for the playoffs. They didn't have the depth, they didn't have the talent. Brady just didn't look like the young Tom Brady that could lead those those comeback wins like he's so used to doing. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. This team doesn't really scream out like, wow, we have to really, really be careful the Patriots this year. I think Buffalo, in my opinion, is a much better well-rounded team and a scarier team on paper and on the field than the Patriots. But I don't know. I think it's just the decade or and longer of just having this team in our heads of every year seeing them being crowned the division champs. It's just it's hard to get it out of your head.
0: We kind of saw it, you know, towards the end of last season, especially that this team was transitioning away from a team that's led by Tom Brady, relies on Tom Brady's arm to get them out of situations. They went to more of a a running attack. Sony Michelle, James White, Brandon Bolden, those guys. I mean they have they have a solid running back group there. They got their offensive line healthy again. So I think, you know, this is a team that's going to definitely be a run-first team, and hopefully Nikhil Harry and some of their other receivers step up for them. But, yeah, the offense just – it lacks weapons, man. It lacks explosive weapons. So when I look at the Patriots' offense, nothing about it scares me. But when you go to the defense, I mean, they have one of the best secondaries in the league with Stephon Gilmore, Patrick Chung. Devin McCourty just signed a two-year deal to return to New England, so – they have one of the better secondaries in the NFL still. I know they lost a lot of pieces, especially up front that you alluded to earlier. They still have Dante Hightower, Lawrence guys. So they still have some guys on that defense, but I think their defense took a step back. Their offense has been taking steps back over the years. So when I look at you know the three teams here, I definitely think the team to beat is the Buffalo Bills. I think it's pretty obvious. The New England Patriots is that wild card team, and I'm not that concerned about the Jets. Now, I want to get into the schedule a little bit here because let's start with the Jets. You mentioned it earlier. Me, for one, Mason, I was much more confident that the Dolphins would sweep the Jets this year. After seeing that they're playing them back-to-back, to to me, it makes it a little bit tougher to see them sweeping. I still think they can do it, but I think it's going to be a lot harder playing them in back-to-back weeks.
1: Well, they're going to have to, Riley. You know, we we look at this schedule, I think – Personally, the toughest part of the schedule to me, we we talked about it early on, uh, the road trip, playing Seattle early, playing San Francisco. But to start the season off, weeks one and week two, against a division opponent is really setting the tone for the season. To start the year off on the road in New England, a New England team that's going to be pissed because they're being written off by so many people, and then going home week two against Buffalo – and really seeing what this team is made of those two weeks are going to set the tone for the rest of the season in my opinion if the dolphins lay two duds it's going to be really interesting how they respond especially when the schedule does get tougher if they come out of that one and one and two and oh you got to feel really really good but you know whether miami is a lot better than new york new york or whether uh the bills are better than the dolphins division games tend to be tough. They tend to be close. They're not always blowouts. You know what I mean? Last season, the Dolphins, I believe, led in the second half against Buffalo the second time they played them. They still ended up losing that game, but that just shows you, even though the Dolphins were written off, they still played the Bills tight. They still made them have to fight for that win. So, yeah, I don't think you can look at those two Jets games and say, oh, yeah, those are two easy Ws, but hopefully as the season progresses, we can see what we're made of, and hopefully, you know, the, the Jets will Uh, kind of fall apart I mean listen we we don't want the Jets to win we want them to lose every game so hopefully in that situation we can feel confident about those two but yeah I mean I agree with you you can't just look at the schedule and say oh easy win easy win
0: yeah who's coming to Miami early when it's still when the heat is still a factor are we going to New York are we going to Buffalo like this year January 3rd we're going to Buffalo to end the season that's always a, a rough situation but that New England game First game of the year, that's really going to set the tone, like you said, Mason. Jared Stidham, if he is the guy getting his first true start as an NFL starter against that Dolphins' secondary, <laughs> I like our chances, Mason. I'm just telling you right now, man. I know it's in New England, but I like the Dolphins' chances in that one. If they can get, if they can reel off a win there and get some momentum coming back home to Buffalo, I think that gives us the best odds. To split with Buffalo going into that first home game at Hard Rock.
1: Listen, if Miami goes into New England and they beat the Patriots, which it, it, it could happen—I'm not saying it's impossible. Holy mackerel! Week two against Buffalo—it's going to be a huge early-season game. The Big fact time. that we could—the fact that we could go two and zero and two and zero in the division to start off the year—is a huge leg up, and it puts us in a great opportunity for tiebreaker situations as well. So there's definitely some interesting spots in this schedule where the Dolphins, uh, if they want to go from worst to first, they have to take care of businesses against their division.
0: Buffalo at the end of the year at Buffalo, not an easy game by any means. December 20th, we're home against New England, but the Chiefs are there the week before. So at least we're home for three straight weeks and that's the last of our homestand. So I like their odds there. We talked about the Jets with the back-to-back. I would like it if they were more split apart. I would. I would be much more confident in the Dolphins sweeping if that was the situation. I think them playing back-to-back makes it a little little trickier, but like we've talked about before, I think that'd be a great opportunity to get Tua in there in that second game. We posed this question on Twitter earlier. We said, what position do you think the Dolphins are going to finish in this year in the AFC East? Twitter has spoken. We got a ton of responses, Mason. They think second place is the most realistic spot for the Dolphins. 47% of our voters say that. And then next is first place with 35%. Third place, 13%, followed by fourth place at 3%. Mason, I don't know about you, but for me, realistically, I think that second place is a good spot. You know, I think the Bills, deservingly so. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, they're a couple couple of years ahead of us in the rebuilding process. So I look at them as the favorite going into this year, but I think we could compete for the division, I would be very happy if the Dolphins went from worst to second place in the division. It would show me a great leap in progress under this Brian Flores rebuild.
1: Yeah, worst to second doesn't quite have the same ring as worst to first, but no, I, I agree, Riley. But but I agree with you. That does show a lot. I mean, Dolphin fans cannot be disappointed if this team goes from winning a handful of games to going 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven and either getting a wild card or, or just barely missing the playoffs. I mean, that that in itself is a tremendous accomplishment. Um, I'm kind of torn between second and third for the Dolphins. Um, yeah, first right now, I, I can't go ahead and say, yes, the Dolphins are going to win the division. I just can't do that. I have to see how this offensive line, defensive line. Too many line, new pieces. T- too many new pieces. And also, you got to think about this, the quarterback situation. Uh, Tua actually today reported to the Dolphins facility and worked a little bit. I didn't hear any reports on if if anybody caught any word, how he looked or any reporters asked coaches or anything like that. But the fact that the dolphins are getting him into the facilities is a good thing. They're getting to see him, how his hips holding up, how he's looking. And that's going to be a huge determining factor in what the dolphins do this season. Are they going to put Tua in there early and see how it goes? Or are they going to stick with Fitzpatrick? Like we mentioned on our episode, uh, last week when we we discussed Tua, what what's he going to do? What should the Dolphins do with him? But it's all going it, to there's a, so many determining factors where the Dolphins are going to go. If their season gets off to a rocky start, they may pull the plug and say, "Listen, Tua, let's get in there, let's see what you can do." If they're mid five hundred level mediocre, they might keep Fitzpatrick in there until later in the season. There's just so many different factors to go into it, but. Second or third in the division, I think, is a very, very likely situation for the Dolphins if these new acquired pieces and these rookies can pan out. It is a very exciting time to see what the Dolphins can do, though.
0: Yeah, I think everybody would be disappointed if they came in fourth place. That's not the expectation for this year. We're supposed to take a jump with all of the additions that we've made. Third place, I think it kind of depends for me, Mason, how they get to that third place. You know, how the season, if they get some big wins in there, It really depends on just how the schedule plays out. If I'll be happy about a third place finish or not. Second place I think is realistic. I think that's a good spot to put us at. Hopefully it's it's a good goal uh, for the Dolphins this year. First place would be a home run out of the park. While we are much farther ahead in this rebuild process than I thought. I don't think it's not possible, Mason, but you know, the bills I think are the team to beat going into the season. I will say if you look at the strength of schedule from 2019 results, the Dolphins, they say, have the third hardest schedule. Lucky for us, number two is the New York Jets, and number one, yep. the New England Patriots. So, And then the Bills are right there at five. So no AFC East team has an easy schedule according to 2019 results. So at least we have that going for us, if nothing else, Mason.
1: And I hate to end the episode uh, or wrap it up at least on, on this note but if the Dolphins do finish fourth and they go eight and eight you know on the unlikely chance that the Jets do really have a great season and all AFC East teams do perform well you still have to draw some positives from that so obviously that's very unlikely for the Dolphins to finish last and to still have a solid record of eight and eight but You know, you can't just look at the standings and say, oh, we finished last, it was a horrible year. I mean, there's a lot of different things you need to look into as the season progresses, because when you look at last season, how we started off and how we finished, two completely different things.
0: Yeah, we're going to hope for some more consistency going into this year, but the first couple of weeks are going to be very telling because we have so many new faces and so many position groups. So how these guys mesh and mold together, in a shortened off season. I mean, a virtual for the most part off season. So it's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, obviously every team is dealing with it, not just the Miami Dolphins. So it'll be interesting to see how these new pieces all fall into place. So thanks to everybody that participated in our Twitter poll. Thanks to everybody that's followed and engaged with us on social media at FinItToWinIt. If you haven't yet, make sure you enter our Tua Jersey giveaway. All you got to do on Twitter is find the posts that are talking about the Tua Jersey giveaway, retweet, and follow it to Win it. If you're on Facebook, make sure you share the post and like our page at Winit. Mason, I like that post you did earlier where you were talking about the orange jerseys, <laughs> which one fans would choose, the, the color rush or the older old school early 2000s orange. For me, Mason, I don't know about you, We got a lot of different answers. I don't think many people were fans of the color rush. Me personally, I would have chosen neither. I'm just not into the orange jerseys.
1: You know, it's funny because there were actually several comments where they were just people were just responding and saying they both suck or I I wouldn't choose any of them. You know, the the early two thousands orange jerseys. I'm a little bit more. I'm actually a lot more sentimental to those than the creamsicle color rush ones. I did. I hated the color rush ones, but. In the early 2000s, when we featured those on Monday Night Football, I believe, or maybe it was Sunday Night Football. I forget which one it was, but it was against the Redskins. The Dolphins won. The Dolphins upset the Patriots late in the season on Monday Night Football wearing them. They were kind of like a good luck charm for a while. So when I think back to those jerseys, I do have a lot of positive memories. So I would say those orange, but I do agree with you somewhat. I'm still not a huge fan of them, but back then, you know, the Dolphins, they didn't wear a ton of different style jerseys and there weren't as many alternate jerseys in the NFL period. So when the Dolphins brought those out, it was kind of like, Ooh, wow. This is, you know, a big deal. I'll
0: never forget that Redskins game. When Jay Fiedler came back in, you would have thought Dan Marino was running out of the tunnel. The place went absolutely bonkers (laughs) when they took Brian Greasy out. Jay Fiedler came back in. And led them to victory over the Redskins. I'll never forget that in those
1: orange jerseys. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I think it was like fourteen points in the last quarter or so. And Ricky Williams, I remember, scored the go-ahead touchdown with only four or five minutes left. So yeah, I mean, and listen, you know, you bring up that memory right there. They're jerseys that really do bring up interesting memories for Miami yeah, over that's the years. True. Uh, but I agree with you. I'm I'm not huge fans of either of them, uh, you know, but if I had to vote, I'm going with those jerseys, those orange ones. For
0: me, just stick with the throwbacks. You don't need to do anything else. The throwbacks are the best jerseys in the entire NFL. Just make them permanent for crying out loud. The people want it. Give the people what they want. So <laughs> oh, All right. good,
1: good way to end it. I like that. I like. <laughs> it. All
0: right, everyone. So if you haven't, make sure you go back. We had a ton of content out last week. Check us out on any major podcast platform. We have a bunch of fun stuff coming out later this week. We talked about our Fins Up uh, episode coming out on Friday where we're going to get you, the fans, involved. So interact with us on social media. Engage with us as we prepare for that show. We're going to break down the secondary later this week as well, so be on the lookout for that. Thanks to everybody for listening of this episode of Fin It to Win It. For Mason, I'm Riley. We will see you guys next time. Fins Up, everybody.